Thanks, Pastor Bruce. Good evening, everyone. Hey, everyone good? Awesome. Well, our theme for the month of September is beginnings. And so I'm going to begin by praying. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your presence in this house, God. We thank you, Lord, for the ultimate beginning, Father, that we have in you, Lord. We thank you for the future you have for each of us, God. Lord, we pray for this word tonight, Lord, that it would be received, Father, in our hearts, Lord. Help our hearts to be receptive to you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Theme is beginnings. So everything has a beginning. Your life has a beginning. I have a beginning. The sermon has a beginning. And it has an end. This church has a beginning 30 years ago. Your business has a beginning. Your ministry has a beginning. Everything has a beginning. I praise God for the impact of Christianity throughout the world, throughout history. There are many things that we have influenced um, this world. For example, justice, um, orphanages, missionaries, community building, so many things. Even the abolishment of slavery and so on and so on and so on and so on. But it had a beginning somewhere. It had to begin somewhere. Genesis 1 talks about in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In fact, if it wasn't for Christianity, if you were to remove everything that Christianity influenced, it would be quite a dark, dark world. Also, in the beginning, the first recorded words of God speaking is, light be, let there be light. You and I that are Christians, we're called to be light bearers. We're called to take the light of the gospel into the world. So the, um, the title of my message is Reset to Relaunch. What I want to say tonight is that there are some things that God has begun in your life that sometimes we can get to a place where we may go off track in terms of what he's done or what he's calling us to do from the beginning. But he wants to relaunch us. He wants to get us to a place where we will be refreshed, renewed, restored, so that we can be reset to relaunch. When you think about the word reset, I think of games, old school uh, arcade games. I think when you press the reset button, it means to start again, doesn't it? It means to return to that place where we left off. So tonight I want to talk quickly about six points or questions that will talk about resetting you and I to relaunch into what he has begun already in your life. The first one is strong foundations have strong beginnings. Strong foundations have strong beginnings. Like I mentioned before, Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God. John, in the New Testament, 
sometimes referred to the genesis of the New Testament, says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So God is at the beginning, and the Word is at the beginning. The Word is also God, and the Word is also Jesus. So the foundation for our life is God and the Word. So if God is at the beginning of our life, and Christ is the foundation, then I'm good to go. My favourite movie of all time is The Sound of Music. Some of you know The Sound of Music. I love a lot of movies, but The Sound of Music is one of my favourites. I won't go into the awesome detail about that movie, but Fraulein Maria, well, actually she says one of the best quotes that I love in movies. The Reverend Mother asked Fraulein Maria, what is the most important thing in life? Fraulein Maria said, to find out what the will of God is and to do it wholeheartedly. She's a great teacher, Fraulein Maria. Get the movie if you don't know it. Anyone that's under 40 probably wouldn't know the sound of music. (laughs) But Fraulein Maria sings a song called Do Re Mi. And she sings a song about foundations of singing. I think it goes something like, when you, I think, let's start from the very beginning, a very good place to start. When you read, you begin with? When you sing, you begin with? That's right. Without the ABC, you don't know how to spell words. Without the Do, Re, Mi, you don't know songs. Foundations are very crucial in our lives. Christ is our foundation. Without Christ in our life, what are we building on? What are we building on? Matthew 16, 15, 18 says, He said to them, this is Jesus talking to the disciples, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven. So Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? Not out of who Peter is, but because he received inside information from God, he was able to tell him that you are the Messiah. You are the living Christ. 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus is saying to Peter that I'm going to build my church on the rock. And he kind of does like a play on words on Peter. Because Peter's name actually means rock or stone. And so he says to Peter, And I say to you that you are Peter, or that you are rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. He's not saying to Peter, I'm going to build my church on you, Peter. Because the word for Peter here is the word Petros. The word Petros means rock. But Jesus is not referring to Peter as the rock to build the church. Petros means stone. It means shifting. It's rolling. It's movable. It's insecure on its own in need of support. That's the kind of rock that the word Peter means. 
But then Jesus said, Peter, yes, you are rock. But on this rock, this rock, he means the word Petra, which simply means rock, solid, immovable, solid, formation, huge mass, and fixed. There's two rocks there, but he's calling Peter stone, and he's calling the rock upon which he is building his church. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is building his church upon the rock, upon the foundation of who Christ is. When God is our beginning and Christ is our foundation, then we're good to go. I'm going to be repeating that throughout the message tonight. Sometimes when doubt creeps in or life gets hard, we may need to revisit the foundations to make adjustments, to rebuild, to restore, to recalibrate, to reset, to refresh our page so that we can be moving on and released and relaunched into what God is doing. Strong foundations make strong beginnings, just like a building. If the the foundation is not right, then obviously we know the building is not going to be right. So we need to revisit the foundation, take the cement of the Holy Spirit, and begin to cement everything again. God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He is our beginning and Christ is our foundation. Number one, the strong foundations have strong Beginnings. What are you building your life on? Number two is, what has God begun in you? My title for tonight is Reset to Relaunch. And speaking of favourite movies, another favourite movie of mine is Star Wars. It's a Star Wars series. And it has a, quite an iconic beginning, you know, before the yellow fountain comes up. There's a sentence that says, a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. Which brings me to my next passage that happened a long time ago in Galilee, far, far away. (laughs) So what has God begun in you? Luke 5, 1 to 11. I'm going to read the whole lot. Luke 5, 1 to 11. What has God begun in you? One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen and left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard on last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. At this time, the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. The nets began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realised what had happened, 
he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me, I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. All that to say that what began in Peter's life was the call to be fishers of people. When Jesus called him to be a fisher of people, he left the boats and immediately followed Jesus, became his disciple. Acts 2 and 41, it's not in the notes, it says, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So Jesus has called Peter here to be what? To be a fisher of people. Over here, three years later, about 3,000 were added to the number that day. But it had to start somewhere. It started when Jesus called Peter. It also happened when the Holy Spirit came. Peter is preaching with boldness and many fish are coming into the nets. So here we see Peter is in a zone in terms of walking out his call, in terms of seeing a lot of people getting saved. 3,000 were added because of the call on Jesus, on, on Peter's life. But it wasn't always like that. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am certain that God, who begun the good work, within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. There is a work that God has called you to do. There's an idea, there's a dream, there's a vision, there's a purpose that God has begun in you. For Peter, it was to be a fisher of of people. That's what his dream, his calling was. But it wasn't always the case. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. He's called Peter to be a fisher of people, to evangelize this world. We see that Peter steps into that, but it wasn't always the case. Number three. Reset to relaunch. John 21 and verse 9. The first scenario with Jesus calling Peter happened when Jesus met Peter. This is three years later. Three years later, Peter left the boats, followed Jesus, went and walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus. Witnessed massive miracles, saw the blind people seen, saw the lame walk. He saw the miraculous multiplication of the power of the Holy Spirit at the obedience of God's word when he said, take these baskets and fill them. He saw the miracle of loaves and fishes. Peter saw a lot of miracles in three years. 
Jesus called Peter to be a fisher of men, fisher of people. He goes and walks with Jesus. But then something happens to Peter. Some insecurity and some fears begin to rise up inside of Peter. And we know the story that Peter ended up denying Jesus three times. Three times he was like ashamed of who Jesus was. Jesus goes to the cross, is resurrected three days later, and then appears to the disciples. This is three years later. Peter is not feeling too good after what he's done. I'm going to read this last big passage here. John 21, 1 to 9. This is the account three years later. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples. This is the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. Again, he appeared to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is the place where he met them in the first place. Jesus returned to the place where he called them. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. So there were seven disciples there. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We're coming too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? Peter's been out all night fishing. Peter's not feeling too well because of his denial to Jesus. It's almost like Peter returns to what is familiar, what is convenient, and what is easy. The responsibilities of ministry are behind him now. Now he's returning. But remember, Jesus called him to be a fisher of people. And then he he decided to follow Jesus saw miraculous power working through Jesus, but then insecurity and fears begin to come up again and position him in a place where he thinks that there is no way I'm going to come back from this. This is what Peter thinks. So he goes out fishing, does what he's familiar with, and goes and does fishing, catches nothing. Jesus is standing on the shore, sees the boys coming in after being out all night. because. The boys caught any fish? They say no. And then Jesus gives this command. Throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. This is the command that Jesus spoke. This is a word that Jesus spoke. He didn't just speak it for speaking it. He spoke it with a promise. He said, when you cast your net on the right side, you will you will get provision. The thing that God, whatever that is that God is calling you to do, that he's begun inside of you, it may have been yesterday, it may have been years ago, it may have been decades ago, that calling, that purpose, God is going to provide an answer for you. He's going to say to you, what is it to you that he's saying, cast your net on the right side and you shall? What is that little adjustment that's going to bring promise and provision in your life? Well, one word of God can bring a promise and provision to your life. And so they did. So they did cast their net. And because they did, they obeyed the word that they heard. 
And because as a result of obeying the word that they hear, they receive the provision and the blessing that they're going to get. And what, what's happening? Jesus is showing them what they're going to do in their life. That they are going to be fishers of people. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, this is John, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work. He jumped into the water, wrapped it around him, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore because it was full of fish. For they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Jesus had made breakfast for them. Jesus is still demonstrating his, his magnitude of who he is, but also his heart to serve his disciples. Jesus is cooking fish and has bread. Yes, it may have been the staple diet for the culture of that time, but it's also symbolically and metaphorically a reminder to the disciples of the last time they saw fish and loaves in the hand of Jesus. When they saw fish and loaves in the hand of Jesus, there was multiplication. Multiplication, multiplication at his word, at obeying and executing his word. There was multiplication and provision when the disciples executed the word of Jesus, which was cast your net on this side. A minor adjustment, but out of obedience, they did so. God, Jesus wants to reset that dream in your life, to recalibrate, to relaunch, to refresh the page on your heart, so to speak, in order to relaunch you back into the deep. Why? Because he's called you and I to be fishers of people. He's called you and I to whatever that is for you, whether it's ministry, whether it's business, whether it's to start a school, start a hospital, start a hotel, whatever that is, to write a song, write screenplays that will change the world. God wants to reset that and refresh the page of your heart where your dream is so you can be relaunched into that which he has begun for you. He did that for Peter. He said, you're going to be fishers of men. Peter walked a strong life. Insecurities and fears rose up. Sometimes insecurity and fear will cause us to hinder us. There'll be hindrances and influences or sinfluences that will hinder us from doing that which God has begun in us. So you see, there are two accounts of fishing here. One was earlier and one was later. So Peter was called to become a fisher of men. Peter was excited and pumped. Yeah, I'm going to leave everything and I'm going to follow you. Bang, bang, bang. Three years of ministry, seeing power, walking with Jesus and all that. And then fear comes in. Fear of man comes in. What is it for? What is it that's hindering us? Is it the fear of not being approved? Is it procrastination? Is it speaking the the language of uh, the uncommitted, which is excuses? What is it that's that's causing us to stop dreaming? To causing us to stop us from becoming what God has called you to do from the beginning. When I got saved, I got saved when I was 19, and I remember there was a new Christian pastor, and he said to me, 
um, through you, your family and friends are going to come to know Jesus. He said, you're going to make Jesus attractive to your family and to your friends. At the time, I didn't know what prophecy was. I didn't know what a word of knowledge, word of wisdom is. So I'm sitting there going, how do you know? Who? When? When is this going to happen? Who told you? How do you know? I didn't know that. And in a sense, it was like God is saying to me, you're going to be a fisher of men to your family and to your friends, to your culture. And then I walked the strong life of God. I began to go to foundation classes. I began to grow, began to develop a hunger for his word, began to see miracles happen. But then insecurities arise. Fear would begin to take place. I began to get fearful of what people think and realise and locate that there were insecurities in me that needed to be addressed. I could stay in that place. And then I could return to what I was familiar with, what was convenient, what was easy. And I could stay there for years and years and years and be a church attender. But God, but God. And then one day I can look up and I can see Jesus standing there and go, Hey bro, did you catch any fish? Are you done with doing it your way? Are you done with being out all night or being for 10 years procrastinating? Are you done doing what you can do, but not what you're called to do? In that case, I want you to do this. Cast your net on the right side. A minor adjustment that's hinged on the heart of obedience of serving God. But God, God is so gracious, so merciful, and so loving. He's the God of the second, third, fourth, fifth chance. He's the God that will forgive you every time. He's the God of grace. He can return you and I to the point of departure. That's what he did with Galilee here and Galilee here. God's grace and love can turn the backslider into a slide backer. So just slide on back. <laughs> God's grace is enough. If you've walked away from doing that, which he's called you to do from the beginning, what have you heard in the small, still voice of God? What's that idea that only you know? What's that idea that you are so precious about? But you don't want to share your pearls with the swine, so to speak. What is God whispering to you? Be fishers of men. What is it to you? Start a hospital. What is it for you? Write a song. What is that? He wants you to obey his word, to know his voice. So number one, strong foundations make strong beginnings. When God is our beginning and Christ is our foundation, then I'm good to go. If God is not my beginning and Christ is not my foundation, then I'm dangerous to go. Number two was, what has, gone, what has God begun in you? What's he calling you to do? Number three, he wants to reset you, to relaunch you. It's never too late, never too old, never too young. God is a now God. Now is faith. Number four is... Is anything stopping you from continuing what God has begun? Whatever that dream is, their vision, the purpose, the calling, whatever it is, is there something 
that's stopping you from continuing what God has begun. For me, it was fear. Fear of not being approved. Insecurities and things like that. But his word says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Trust in his word. Fear is the opposite to faith. Doubt is the opposite to faith. I heard one preacher say that fear tolerated is faith contaminated. And faith tolerated is fear contaminated. So what do we do? We feed our faith to contaminate fear. We feed our faith. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Faith tolerated is fear contaminated. I've heard some preachers say that. Doubts and fears can get in our way, can hinder us. But as good fishermen or fisher people, we have to know the art of casting. We have to know what it is to cast. And the Bible teaches us different ways to cast. In the Bible it says, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, talking about what's stopping us, what's hindering us from doing that which God has begun in us. 2 Corinthians 10, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Notice here that all of those things are in the soul realm. We understand that we are spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. These are things that we can do ourselves, that we can make adjustments by renewing our mind. All these things, strongholds, is mental. Arguments is mental. Pretensions is mental. Strongholds. When I think of strongholds, I think back in the 90s I had a little tub of gel and it was called stronghold gel. It was just, just chuck it on and it was just... I need something more than stronghold jail now. But a stronghold is something that can... It's like, a, it's like if I was to like grip your mind, so to speak, and be able to control your mind. The thinking is like there's a stronghold on your thought life, on your thinking. Strongholds, in the negative sense, can be things that cause us to think negative about ourselves. But what we want to do is make the word of God our stronghold. We want his word to become a a stronghold in our thinking so that everything we do, say and think will come in alignment with God's word and God's purpose because God's word is God's will. So renewing our minds, as we, we all know this, how? By replacing the thoughts with the word of God. So casting down arguments, casting down the fiery darts of, 
of thoughts that come into your mind. You may not have control of them coming into your mind, but you, you can deal with it by casting it down. How? By replacing those thoughts with the word. When the thoughts come in, don't just think on the thoughts, counter it by just speaking the word. Casting down arguments. Psalms 55 and 22 says, Cast your cares. That's another casting. Good fishermen know how to cast. Casting down vain imaginations, casting your cares unto the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. 1 Peter 5 and 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you've got a fishing rod and you know how to cast, I don't know. I was raised in a, in a port town. I'm an islander, but I never did much fishing. But I understand that to cast, you just throw it out. But sometimes we cast our care, but then we reel it back in. We haven't actually detached from it. There's a story with, I think it's uh, Psalms, or not Psalms, sorry, Palm Sunday, when the donkey is going through the town and the people are casting their coats, not just at the feet, but upon that donkey. When you're casting something, you are being detached from it. You don't take it back. Just like our cares and our anxieties, we cast them over. Is anything stopping you from continuing what God has begun? If it is exercise, casting down the thoughts, how? By replacing it with the word of God. Cast your cares and your anxiety to God. Why? Because he cares for you. He knows. How do we do this? We trust God at his word. We trust God that when we give our cares over, we trust him with it. We share it with people that we trust. We worship and we praise him. He's the lifter of our soul. Hebrews 12.1, another casting. is therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. So whatever is causing us to trip over or hinder us, those things we also cast aside. So we cast down the vain imaginations the strongholds, the thinking that does not align with what God says who you are. If thoughts come into your head and it doesn't line up with what scripture tells who you are, then it has no place in our head. We cast it down, cast our cares and cast aside the thing that easily ensnares us. God wants to reset us, to relaunch us by doing all these things. Number five, two more. What side... Have you cast your net? What side have you cast your net? John 21, 6 again, just repeating. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Again, it's a command with a promise. It's a command that, that almost commands a blessing when obedience is executed. Cast the net on the right side. This is not a suggestion from Jesus. Jesus wasn't standing there and saying to the guys coming in, um, how about try just throwing it on the other side? 
See, see, see what that does. How about this? How about that? No. He said, cast it on the right side and you shall. Cast it on the right side and you will. It comes with a promise. When God speaks and God directs and God leads, it comes with a promise. Do this and you will. What is the thing that he's called you to begin to do? Do that and you will. You will. Fill in the blank. God will bring provision and blessing for the purpose that he has for you and I. Matthew 7.24 Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The same meaning for the word rock is the same meaning for the other scripture. And Jesus is building his church upon that rock. It's the same meaning. It's immovable. It's just a solid mass. Who was he talking about? Jesus. Who's Jesus? Our cornerstone. The chief cornerstone upon which we build. We are like little Peters. We are living stones that gather together, cemented by the Holy Spirit, built upon that cornerstone as God builds his house. Romans 10.17 and James 1.22 is pretty much what Matthew 7.24 is saying. I haven't got it up there, but Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing what? Faith comes by hearing by the word of God. We can't please God without faith. Faith without actions is just dead. Even the demons believe. We need actions to it. So then, if faith is not enough, then we add James 1.22, which is, don't just be hearers only, but be what? Be doers of the word. So Romans 10.17 plus James 1.22 equals Matthew 7.24, which says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, everybody who obeys the command of casting the net on the right side will be blessed. If you hear it, and Jesus said, cast your net on the right side, but you don't do anything, Will you be blessed? No, you won't be blessed. It's those who hear the word and do the word. Like last time I, I preached here, I had, I had one Converse shoe on and I had one Nike on. And I was just demonstrating or illustrating the point where we don't just hear about it, we don't just converse about it, we don't just talk about it, but then we just do it. Because when we just converse about it, we stay in the safe zone. But when we do it, we move from the safe zone into the faith zone. And that's what pleases God. When we step out of the boat, that's what we do. We move from the safe zone into the faith zone. So if I had my Converse on and I had my Nikes on, you know what shoes that would equal? A Converse plus a Nike equals what? New Balance. I didn't have any new balance with me, so. But we need to be balanced with knowing the Word of God and doing the Word of God. Having a Romans 10 17 and the James 1 22. A very simple way to remember James 1 22 is easy it's the one to do. One to do. Don't just be hearers only, but be doers. That's the one to do. James 1 22. Don't just converse at Nike and then put your new balance on and get walking and get stepping because God wants you to move towards that which he's begun in your life. We can work all night. 
We can toil all day and all night and do things in our own strength. But with God, with one word from him, we'll achieve more. What is God saying to you? What side have you cast your net? That implies what are we doing? What are we doing? Throughout my work, I've learnt, throughout my walk with God, sorry, I've learnt that when Jesus, when the Holy Spirit prompts me to do something, he will prompt me to position me to bring provision for the purpose that he has for us. When Jesus prompted the disciples to cast a net on the right side, he was prompting them to position them in a place to receive provision for their purpose. What was their purpose? To be fishers of people, to evangelize the world. I, I began the sermon by saying that without the impact of Christianity, it would be a dark world. It had to begin somewhere. One of the many, many beginnings of the impact of Christianity happened when Jesus said, Peter, from now on you will be fishers of people. What is the impact that you are going to make on this world? What is the impact that you would do when you heed the word of God, when you obey his prompting that will position you to receive provision for his purpose? Know the voice of God. Know what he's saying. Know his voice. Remember to know his voice. A voice, this is a voice that carries a word. So to know his voice is to know his word. To know his word is to know his voice. They're one and the same. I was in Auckland one time and I lost my, my red backpack. My red backpack had my... Um, had some theological um, reference books that you were allowed to take out from the library. And I lost it and I was panicking because, not so much because of the bag, but because of the books. And uh, I looked for about two hours in the library, right in the city of Auckland. And then I had to leave. So I started driving back towards South Auckland and I started heading back. And then I kind of had a sense in my spirit. And it was like the voice of the Holy Spirit was saying, turn around now. The moment I did that, I turned around and started driving four or five blocks back into the city. I get to the traffic lights called a place called K Road. And I get there and I'm getting impatient. I'm not sure why I'm doing this, but I just have the peace to, to follow through. So I'm sitting at the traffic lights. Long story short, this guy walks past with my red backpack right in front of me at the lights. I'm like going, wow, this is awesome. I know this is you, God. I jump out and I go and chase this guy down. I pull and pull over and I said, hey, 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 that's my bag. And this guy's just walking with my bag and he, oh, I'm, I'm sorry about that. And he begins to take the bag out and, and I said, you know what? You keep the bag and I'll, I'll take the stuff inside. He goes, how do I know that, you, how do I know that you're telling me the truth? And I said, well, I can tell you what's inside the bag. And I told him, it's this and this, this, that. And he go, wow, that's awesome. And then he gives me the bag and the books. And then I just go to him, because I was so pumped and so excited. And I just said to him, look, man, I'll take the books. You keep, you keep the bag. But then as I started going, I, I knew I needed the bag. And I said, actually, I need the bag too. <laughs> Sorry, man, I need the bag. <laughs> I was excited. But it felt, you know, 
All that to say, when you know the voice of God, you know, I missed it a lot of times. You know, I'm sure we do at times. But when you know the voice, when he's saying, turn around, when he's saying, cast your net on the right side, when we do that, we will be blessed. You will be blessed. It's a given. He does that. What side is your net on? If Jesus said, cast your net on the right side, it implies that it's on the wrong side. It's on our side. We just need a side. The last one is, are you good to go? Are you good to go? When God is our beginning and Christ is our foundation, then I'm good to go. Acts 1, 4, 8. Acts 1, 4 and 8 says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, which he said, You have heard me, you have heard from me. Jesus has told his disciples before he left to go and wait in Jerusalem. He told them, it's to your advantage that I go away because when I go to the Father, the Helper will come. The Holy Spirit will come. I will send the Helper of another kind. That's the promise. So if they are to go to Jerusalem, they has to start somewhere. The birth of, when the Holy Spirit came, the birth of the New Testament church began at that place. Verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, it has to begin somewhere. It has to begin somewhere. And here, Jesus is saying, Go and wait, not somewhere, but go and wait in Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Because that's where he's sending the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that you and I have today. So if you are called to go, and it has to begin somewhere, Jerusalem, in a sense, begins here. It begins in this person here. When Jesus is saying it's got to start somewhere, it's kind of like the the pond effect of the ripple effect. But we are called to go. And our Jerusalem, and he said, go and be my witnesses. What's a witness? It's a martyr. It's somebody that will lay down their life for the cause of the gospel. That's what you and I are. And to be a witness, it begins right here. In the sense, it's like I'm saying that I am the Jerusalem to be a witness to wherever I go. Wherever I go, I witness and testify to Christ. The Great Commission. Last scripture here, Matthew 28, 18 to 19. This is the Great Commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. To go and to make disciples... It's fulfilling what, Pe- what Jesus said to Peter. You shall be fishermen of people. Going into all the world is going and begin to fish for people. We are called to take the message of the gospel. Message begins with the word me, M-E. Gospel begins with G-O. It's the message that we go and take. 
And it's message in me because it begins with, it begins right here. What kind of witness am I to other people? Our lives will preach louder than our message. What I'm saying is my life will preach louder than any sermon or any teaching that I give. We are called to be his ambassadors. What kind of witness am I? Am I reflecting the image of Christ? Am I loving people? Am I walking in love? Am I going the extra mile? Am I doing all these things? Do I get easily offended? Have you ever been to a funeral of somebody you don't like? I haven't. But when you go to funerals and there's an open casket, this is an analogy, open casket, and people going up to the casket are saying things like, thank you so much for everything you've done. Rest in peace. Or they'll say, rest in love. Love you. God bless you. Till we meet again. And people say things like this. But if it's somebody that you didn't really get on with or you didn't like, you may hear things like, oh, well, look who's laughing now. You still owe me 20 bucks. You know? Do you think that the deceased body in the casket will be offended by what you say? No. Because you can't offend a dead man. And that's what God's called us to be. To deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow Jesus. You can't offend a dead person. Little adjustments when we are offended, when we get hurt. Little adjustments come up like check lights in your car. Warning signs, indicators that things need to be addressed. It could be as simple as changing a sensor. It could be, or it could be something more extreme, changing a big part. What is God calling you to do? Are you good to go? It's not just called the great co-mission, that, the mission that we do corporately, it's also the great go mission, the mission that we go. And when we go, it's also called the great grow mission, that we go and grow the impact of Jesus Christ in this world. So God wants to reset you and I to relaunch us. He wants to restore things that are broken. He wants us to renew our minds. He wants us to be reset to relaunch into whatever that amazing thing that God is already talking to you about. Whatever that is. So what impact will your life make? Allow God to redirect your steps to align with his purpose of making disciples and being fishers of people. Let's pray, church. Father God, we come before you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for whatever that is that you've called each and every one of us to do, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the the great beginnings, the new beginnings, Father, that you are birthing in all of us, God. Help us to know what it is to deal with situations that cause us to go off track, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, Lord to always be there, to never leave us nor forsake us, to guide us through these times, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
I pray for every person here, Lord. I pray, Lord, that their purpose and their plan, Father, will align with your purpose and your plan. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to give an opportunity right now, just an opportunity to accept the greatest beginning that anyone anyone could experience. Many people here have experienced the beginning of, of a relationship with Jesus. I've been talking tonight about the beginnings of what God has called us to do. But the ultimate calling for our life is to begin a life with him. So I just want to offer an opportunity tonight. If there is anybody here that wants to begin this amazing, exciting journey of knowing Jesus, if there's anybody here, if there's anybody here, we, got, we have a text number that we can put up on the screen. We also have an information desk that if there's anybody here, you can, you can visit at the end. Also, if you would like to, if you would like to respond by just raising your hand, if there is any, anybody here, I invite you to, to do that now. And also, we have this text number, 048882-26392. If you want to say yes to Jesus, these are the three options that we have. And if you choose that option to text yes, then each morning around 7 o'clock you will receive a, a scripture and a prayer that will help you, that will be, help you to begin your journey with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Reset us to relaunch us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.